Last week, we looked at, at the end of John's writing. So if you're not familiar, if you're new with us, or if you've missed a few weeks, that's no problem. John is an old man. This is Jesus' disciple, John. All of his friends have been martyred by this point. John has had a horrific life, but he's pastored some churches, and he knows that I'm not always going to be here, and so I'm going to write this letter, not to a specific church or a specific group of people, but to a, a group of churches that he's pastored and mentored, and he's trying to let them know, once you follow Jesus, what do you do with that? How do you live that out day in and day out? And so he has just been nailing point after point after point, deep theological truths that, man, we are saved, but we're saved not only from something, but we're saved for something. We're not just saved from hell and eternity, but we're saved for living a Christ-like life and sharing that life of Christ on this earth today. And so at the tail's end of chapter 5, he gives us six things that you should know, that if you've been reading his letter, here's some things that you should know by now, because he kind of just keeps cycling over in a little bit of a different way these very same principles. And at the end of his letter, he says the word no over and over and over again. And last week, if you weren't here, you can go onto YouTube, you can go onto our Facebook page, and you can watch it. But we learned, we remembered Three things that if you've been with John up to this point, you should know. And if you're a person of faith, here's what you should know. Number one, I can know that Jesus is Lord, that he's, he is a loving God, and I submit myself to him. That he's a friend to sinners, but he's also my king. That I place myself up underneath the lordship of Jesus Christ, and I offer him the steering wheel of my life. I can know that as a follower of Jesus. The second one is that I can know I'm going to live forever, is that we get to decide. We said last week, I'm not going to go over the whole thing this week, but we can know that we know that we know that when this life is over, a new life begins and we can be connected to God or separate from God. It just depends on the choice that we make and who do we trust in? Do I trust in Jesus? Do I trust in myself? I can know that I'm going to live forever, and knowing I'm going to live forever changes how I live today. And then thirdly, we said, I can know that God answers prayer. Man, as a person of faith, I can know that God is going to answer my prayer, and it not always be what I want it to be, but God will give me everything that I've asked him for or anything that I would have asked him for if I knew everything that he knows. Great faith, great faith, great faith is how we ended Great faith is evidenced by great surrender. Great faith is not evidenced by how much you know, but how surrendered you are. We're going to look at, there's three more at the end of this chapter. We're going to look at the final two last week, but this one, we're going to look at just one single solitary thing. I can know that sin is not my master. I can know that. I can know Jesus is Lord. I can know I'm going to live forever. I can know that God answers prayer. And I can know that sin, because I have trusted in Jesus, I can know that sin is not my master. And so we're going to look at verse number 18 in 1 John chapter 5, and then we're going to spend the rest of our time because Paul kind of extends this idea and really gives us some insight into this in Romans chapter 6. And so hopefully you're ready to dig in. If you have notes that you want to take, it's going to be hopefully very, very helpful for all of us. Here's what John says. We know that God's children, people that have come to faith in Jesus, do not make a practice of sinning. Now, you, you're going to fall into sin sometimes. John already told us that, that we, we are going to choose the wrong way. But God's people, 
God's children, we don't make a habit of it. In other words, that settled, continued pattern of sin, that choosing sin consistently, regularly, and shunning what you know God has called you to do, and being a child of God, those two cannot mix together. It's not a momentary temptation that you give in and you repent and you move on. But John is talking about this continued, I know what God wants me to do. I just don't want to do it. I'm going to ignore this. I'll follow this and I'll follow this thing and I'll do this thing over here. But this area of my life, I know what God wants. I just don't want to do it. I'm going to do my own thing. John says that you, that's not what God's children do. That doing that and being God's children are like oil and water. He says this, they don't make a practice of sinning. Oh, sorry, go back. Yes, uh, for God's son holds them securely. This is such a beautiful theological point that when we trust in the father for, our, the, sins of, uh, so for the forgiveness of our sins, we are held by Jesus. And not only that, but there's more to it. The evil one cannot touch them. Here's what John is saying. This this looks nice, but when we really dive into it a little bit, man, it is a powerful, powerful truth. This word touch does not mean like to just point and prod because we all know that we have a spiritual enemy that tempts and he waves the carrot and he prods and he say, hey, this is going to be good and this is going to feel right. That's not what John is talking about. It is that John is saying that the spiritual enemy of your soul, because you are held securely by God, he can't grasp you and he can't cling to you. He can't connect himself to you. The same word there that is the touch is the same word. If you remember the story of when Jesus was walking and the woman with the issue of blood, she moved through the crowd and there was all these people touching him, pointing, pointing at him and kind of poking at him. But there was this woman, one woman that grabbed him and Jesus said, man, who touched me? And the disciples said, what are you talking about, Jesus? You're surrounded. You're being touched by all these people. He says, no, somebody touched me. And that's that same word that they grasped. And so what John is saying is that grasping, that holding on to, that attaching itself to you, you are not able to have that because you are held by God. That the enemy of your soul cannot control your life, in other words, anymore. That sin cannot dominate me and the evil one cannot control me because I have stepped out of darkness into light. Now, Paul takes this same idea and he really teases it out in Romans chapter 6. And so the idea that John wants to get across is this, is that Satan is not as powerful as you think he is is that Satan, when you are a follower of Jesus, he loses so much power in your life that he no longer has the power to control you unless you give it to him. But you are held. I am held securely by God. Here's what the Apostle Paul says with that same idea. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. I became a child of God. That part of me that was detached from God, that was sinful, were crucified with Christ. Why? So that sin might lose its power. It had power over me. Sin controlled my life. It told me what to do, when to do it, how to do it. But because I came into faith of Jesus, something happened internally. I'm held securely by God, John would say, and the devil cannot touch me. He can't attach himself to me. He can't grasp and pull and yank me. Sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. John said, Christians don't make a habit of sinning. 
but we wrestle. Wait a minute, but I've always been like this. I've always had a temper. I've always had a problem with substances. I've always had trouble with my mind. I've always had a sharp tongue. And John says, no, 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 something happened. Something has changed. There has been a shift that you have moved out of darkness into light, and you are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, when we came into faith with Jesus, we were set free. There was a time when Satan could grasp and yank and pull and push and shove, but you are held securely by the Father, and so sin has lost its power. You do not have to be dominated by sin. Sin is no longer your master. And so we should consider yourselves because sometimes we don't always feel it. It's an internal thing that sometimes takes some time to work itself outward. But this is an instantaneous, as quickly as God forgave your sin, blink of an eye, at that exact same moment, sin lost its power. Sin had to lose its grip on you. So you should... I should, teenagers should, young adults should. You should consider yourselves, even though it doesn't always feel like it, consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin. Satan can't grasp you anymore. Satan can't shove you around anymore. Satan can't tell you what your life has to look like anymore. Not because suddenly you got more self-disciplined, but because of what happened to you on the cross. Your sins were forgiven, and that's the part of Christianity that's highlighted, but something that's equally powerful is not only that your sins are forgiven, but sin has lost its power, is that you are free, you are new, and so just live that out. Consider yourselves free from sin. I don't have to be controlled by it anymore. I'm dead to the power of sin because it is powerful for people that don't have Jesus in their life. But because I have Jesus, I'm alive to God through Christ Jesus. And so you should know sin is not your master. Sin cannot, Satan cannot grasp onto you and cling to you. And so in light of that, here's a few questions that you should wrestle with. If it's true that sin cannot push you around, if it's true that sin and Satan cannot control your life, why is it then that we still struggle with patterns of sin? That's the, the, the dichotomy that we face, right? If what John is saying is true, but my reality bears out something different, what is the disconnect? The question that you should ask, the question that we have to ask over and over again is, what are you holding on to that's holding you back? You see, in the jungle... You can look it up for yourself on Google. You know how people will trap monkeys? Is they'll dig out a coconut or dig a little hole and put, they'll put something sweet and beautiful and fragrant in there. And these monkeys will reach in there and grab it. And they'll grab that little thing. But when they grab it, they can't get their hand back out because their fist is closed around this thing. And so the hunters come and the monkeys aren't very smart. They keep a hold of this thing. This thing is so important. And what's holding them back? Well, the hunter isn't. The thing that they've grabbed onto isn't. They are holding themselves back. It's hot in here, so my hand's a little swollen up, so I've got to be careful in there. I had to break that off. But this is a beautiful illustration of our life, is that you might and I might hold on to some things that are holding me back, but it's not the devil. Satan is not holding me back. I am holding myself down. What, what are you holding on to that's actually holding on to you? 
Is there anything in your life that you've grasped onto that because you've grasped onto it, you have entrapped yourself? Is there anything that you're holding onto that if you're honest, the people around you, the people that you love the most quietly wish that you would let go of? Same question asked a different way. What's weighing you down because you refuse to let it go? It's not Satan's fault. It's not the devil that's grasped onto you and is shoving you around. It's that sometimes we, we love the banana. We love the sweet thing. And so I am weighed down by something, not because it's so, I just refuse to let it go. Are there things in your life, again, you've got to be really honest with yourself, that at some point you picked up because you thought it would make your life better, but now it's made your life more complicated? That in the moment it felt this is so right, but you've grabbed onto it, and you now with the value of time and the gift of perspective, you realize, man, I, that thing, it felt right in the moment, but it's actually made my more, life more complicated now, and now I'm, I'm, I'm just stuck. It's not the devil. It's, we, we like to give Satan more power than he actually has. Is that you have been set free. I have been set free from the power of sin and sometimes it's me holding on to things. What is slowing you down because you refuse to put it down? Are, are, are there things that you're just grabbing onto and it's slowing you down and because I just, I just need that thing, I have to have that thing. Another question said the same way. What are you holding on to that you're working really hard to keep hidden? Is there, are, are there things in your life that you got your hand in the cookie jar, but if people found out about it, you'd be really embarrassed by it? Are you involved in something that you're telling your kids, hey, don't get involved in this? Are you blaming Satan for something that you have grabbed onto yourself that you just refuse to let go? These you have to get to the core. Huh, I've got to get really honest with myself because it's so easy. Well, it's just the devil. Well, that's just the way that I am. That's the way I've always been. That's the way my dad was, and my mom was like this, and my grandmother was like this. This is just, but John said, Satan can't grasp you. Paul said, you are dead to sin and alive in Christ. What's making a monkey out of you? What's making a monkey out of you? Because not all monkeys can be trapped this way. Some of them can, but not all of them. The, the only kind of monkeys that can be trapped this way are monkeys that are not smart enough to let go is that at any time they could let go of the banana let go of the little sweet treat and off to the races they would go but they're just not smart enough and there's been seasons of my life you can ask yourself the same question i've been made a monkey of i've grabbed onto something and i just refuse to let it go even though man it's it's going to hurt me it feels good in the moment i wasn't really trapped you might not be really trapped i've just trapped myself and so let go and run away and we could close right there like that could just be the sermon hey stop it let go and run away because by holding on listen by holding on who are you hurting you're hurting you by holding on you're hurting the people around you that care the most about you by holding on you're hurting the people that love you the most but if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, now if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is just good advice. You should just do this and move on with your life and, and this will help you. 
But if you are a follower of Jesus, this is so important because you are not to be mastered by anything because we already have a master. This is what we said last week, that you know that Jesus is Lord. And if Jesus is Lord, something else can't be Lord. I can't grab onto something and it be the one that controls my life and Jesus be in control of my life at the same time. I have to choose. Sin is not my master. I am dead to sin. I am alive in Christ. A spiritual enemy cannot grasp and shove and push me because I am held securely by God. I just have to be willing to drop the cookie and run away. Here's what Paul said, continuing Romans chapter six. Do not, this is the important question. Do not let, because again, we, I, I'm not talking to you, I'm just talking to me. I like to blame other things. It's not a me thing, it's a them thing. Well, it's just the devil. He's just been beating me up, and man, if the devil would just get off my case, may, don't let, my hand's in the cookie jar. And my fist is grasped so tightly to this thing, and I've trapped myself. It's not the devil's fault. It's my fault. Can the devil tempt me? Absolutely. Can the devil grab a hold of me? No, he can't. Can the devil wave some carrots in my life? Sure he can. But can he control my life? No. Because of the power of Jesus. Do you know the only one that can trap me is me? The only one that can keep me bound is me because Jesus has already paid the price for my freedom. I have to decide. You have to decide. It's time to let go. Do not let sin control the way that you live. Don't let the cookie that you've grabbed onto control the way you live. Hey, do not give in to sinful desires. Of course we have the desires, but I don't have to give in to those. Here it is again. Do not let, it's my choice, it's your choice. Do not let any part of your body, your hands, your eyes, your ears, your lips, your whatever it is, do not let any part of your body become an instrument. Don't attach yourself to this. Become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, here's, the, here's what we should do instead. Don't let sin control your life because of what Jesus has done. Instead, give your eyes and your ears and your mouth and your hands and your feet and your desires and your mind. Give every part of yourselves completely to God. Not just Sundays 10.15 to 11.15. No, 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 no. That's not enough. If you give God Sundays 10.15 to 11.15, you're missing out. You're missing out. Give yourselves completely to God. The way that you talk, give it to God. The way that you think, give it to God. The way that you're a husband, give it to God. The way that you're a parent, give it to God. What you look at on the internet, give it to God. The shows that you watch on TV, give it to God. For you were dead. I was controlled by sin. Sin was absolutely my master. Sin told me what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and how far to go. But not now. Now, I have new life, and so do you. I, I'm not controlled by sin, not because I'm the preacher and I'm the most spiritual person in here. I'm not controlled by sin because I've put my trust in Jesus, and I'm not any better than you. Did you know that I'm not any closer to Jesus than you are? I, I'm not any more spiritual than you are. God doesn't talk to me any more than he talks to you, and God doesn't give me any more grace and mercy than he gives you. We're all on the same page. 
And so I am set free from the power of sin, just like you are set free from the power of sin because of what Jesus has done in our lives. I have been set free. I have new life. And so use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. People would look at you and say, man, you're not the same that you used to be. You used to have such a filthy mouth. You used to talk this way. You used to fly off the handle. You used to be such a gossip. You used to have such a terrible way of interacting with people when you got angry. But something has changed in you. What, what's, did you get some uh, psychology books? What happened? No, I just let go of the cookie. I just decided to take God at his word and believe that I am dead to sin. I've considered myself dead to sin alive in Christ. Don't you realize? Because then it's almost like Paul, oops, sorry, go back. He almost, it's almost as if Paul realized, maybe, maybe they don't know something that they should know. Don't you realize? Maybe you don't realize that you become a slave to whatever you choose to obey. I, I can become a slave to this. That if I refuse to let go of the cookie, guess who gets to be in charge of me? This jar is in charge of me. I can't get it out. I'm a slave to that. I've got to really stop doing that. I'm a slave to that. You can be, you're going to be slave to something, is what Paul says. You are going to be a slave to something. You can be a slave to sin, but you know how that ends. It ends in death. Or, look at this word. Look at that word. You can choose. Quit giving Satan so much power. Quit, quit elevating Satan over the Holy Spirit. He can't control you. He can't push you around. He can't shove you. He can't dictate, dictate where you go. I can choose. I'm obeying God. I've considered myself dead to sin and alive in Christ. Or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. I, I get to choose whatever I say yes to becomes my master. And so if I say yes to the cookie, the cookie becomes my master. If I say yes to God and his spirit's leading, that becomes my master. And here's why Paul takes such care in this. Here's why John emphasized this is because sin always kills 100% of the time. And a lot of you, you have lived life long enough to have seen the wreckage of sin in your own life. That sin kills relationships. We've seen that, right? That sin kills finances. That sin kills peace. That sin can kill your future. That sin can kill opportunities. So sometimes sin can lead to physical death. We've all seen it. But we, again, you don't need the Bible to tell you that. You have lived long enough to know. You have seen enough shrapnel to realize that path leads to death. You, you've, you've had enough relationships that don't exist anymore to know sin killed that. It wasn't Satan that killed it. It was sin that killed it. And I gave in to sin. I choose to let sin be my master. And the result of my sin is some things died. There are some things that will never be possible anymore because of sin. There are some opportunities that I will never be able to achieve because of sin. I wouldn't let go of the cookie. I didn't consider myself dead to sin, but alive in Christ. And here's the thing, and preachers should do a better job. This is probably my fault, not your fault. But preachers should do a better job because we rail against sin. Hey, sin is bad, sin is bad, sin is bad. God's against sin, God's against sin. Well, that is, that is true. But do you know the reason that God is against sin? It's not just because he needs something to be 
against. The reason that God is against sin is because God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And sin kills you. Sin derails your life. Sin always leads to death. And so why is God so against sin? It's not because he just needs something to be against. It's because he's for you. He's on your side. He loves you and wants you to live in that right relationship with him, to consider yourselves dead to sin and alive in him. And in order to do that, he knows you have got to avoid some things because that's going to lead to death. And Jesus said, John chapter 10, verse number 10, the devil comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it in abundance. That's what Jesus wants for you. But you can't have the life, I can't have the life that Jesus wants for us when I'm holding on to the cookie in the cookie jar. Paul continues, thank God, wow, the cross, how powerful. Once, I was a slave to sin. There was a time when I, John would say, I wasn't held securely by God. There was a time when Satan did have control and power over my life. He pushed and he shoved and he was in charge, but thank God. Once I was slave to sins, but now it's a new day. I have come to faith in Jesus. You wholeheartedly obey this teaching that we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin. Why? I let go of the cookie jar. I came to faith in Jesus. I chose to consider myself dead to sin. I should know Jesus is Lord. I should know I'm going to live forever. I should know that I can choose sin not to be my master here on this earth. You're free from slavery or sin, and now you've become slaves to righteous living. Don't you realize, he goes on, that your body is the temple. This is 1 Corinthians. He's kind of expanding this to the Corinthians. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? who lives in you and was given to you by God, you don't belong to yourself. I don't belong to yourself. For God, this is so powerful, for God bought you with a high price. And so you must honor God with your body. What, what did God have to do to secure your release from sin? He had to send Jesus. How, how was it that you can consider yourselves? How is it that I can consider myself dead to sin? and alive in Christ, it's because Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus rose again, I have placed my faith in him. Here's what sin is. Sin is anything that hurts you and hurts the people around you. Sin is anything that hurts you and hurts the other people around you that were also made in the image of God, which is everyone, by the way. You've never been eyeball to eyeball with somebody that God doesn't love. And so sin is the things that hurts me and the things, that, the, the, the things that hurt the other people around me. So the question that we have to wrestle with, if that's the price that God paid for the security of my soul and for the freedom that comes from living in Christ, what has the thing that you cling to offered for you? If it was a bidding war, who wins? What, what is the thing that you won't let go of done for you? Come on, be honest. What, what is this cookie? done for you. Here's what Jesus did. Jesus died. He bled. He suffered for you. That's the price he was willing to pay. That's what he was willing to give. How about the cookie? What, what, what did it give? Is it higher 
than what Jesus gave? If so, then by all means, go that direction. But if Jesus outbid sin, you should, I should, consider myself dead to sin and alive in Christ. Here's the truth, and you know this. You don't need me to tell you this. Sin is costing you. Hand in the cookie jar, it's costing you. you you've already seen little, little, little nuggets of death kind of trailing you. And we think, man, boy, Satan's really just got a hold of me. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. You got a hold of the cookie. I've got a hold of the cookie. And I get to choose when to let it go. Because sin is not my master. I am dead to sin and alive in Christ. And so let's just make it personal this morning, and then we're going to go have some real cookies together. Because I so much want to help you. I so, so much want you to live in the freedom that Jesus has purchased for you. He didn't just forgive your sin. He freed you from the power of sin. And so you just have to be honest. You don't have to tell me, but you might ought to tell somebody, what are you holding on to that's holding you back? What are you holding on to that's holding you back? Is it anger? Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's a group of friends, a type of entertainment, alcohol. Maybe you're ignoring your health. Are you getting too obsessed with your appearance? Here's another one. Is, is there anything in your life that your family feels like they're competing with? A pastime or a, a possession and your family is being crowded out by, by something? Maybe it's time to let go of the cookie. Maybe it's time to consider yourself. No, I'm, I'm dead to that. And yeah, my father was an alcoholic, and yeah, my mother was manipulative, and yeah, my uncle had a short fuse, and yeah, and yeah, and yeah, but I'm new. Jesus has paid the ultimate price for my freedom. It might be something that you've just now picked up, and from your perspective, oh, it's fine, it's no problem. The hunters, I don't see any hunters coming. Sin always kills. Sin always kills. It'll kill something in your life. And Jesus loves you too much. And so he invites us, let go. Satan does not have power unless you give him power. And he can poke, and he can prod, and he can dangle. He cannot control. He's not in charge. Jesus, I consider myself a slave to righteousness. I'm going to offer every part of my body, my eyes, the way that I listen to, the way that I think, the way that I talk, how I entertain myself, how I'm a husband, how I'm a father. Consider all these instruments as instruments of righteousness for the glory of God. Am I holding on to something that's holding me back? Am I holding on to something? Again, you're the only one that can answer that. And I don't know the answer. Maybe, maybe the answer today is no, and I'm so proud of you. Maybe if you're honest with yourself, even if you're not honest with anybody else, in, man, there, there's something that I'm trying to keep hidden from everybody else, and if anybody else knew, oh, I would be so embarrassed. Man, it's holding you back, it's holding you back, it's holding you back. And then, if you really want to get uncomfortable, if you are married and are here this morning, here's an interesting, once the kids are in bed, dinner table conversation. Am I holding on to anything that's holding us back? And this is a hard conversation to have. This, you might not be ready for this conversation. This conversation might bring up some things that you maybe didn't want to bring up, but if you really want to be brave, if you really want to take your marriage to a brand new place, 
If you want to have some of your blind spots illuminated, you just put away your phone, you get across the dinner table once the kids are in bed, and you ask the person that you love the most and that loves you the most, are you seeing my hand in any cookie jars? Am I holding on to something that is holding us back? And then just see where that conversation takes it. And if so, come on, Elsa, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. It's, it's again, I, I want to blame Satan. I want to blame the devil. Well, it's the devil's fault. He's just got, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. God holds me securely. And God holds you securely. And because of that, you are free from sin. And so that's good advice if you're just not a person of faith. That's just good advice. But if you are a Christian, if you're following Jesus, don't be mastered by anything because you already have a master. Don't be mastered by anything because you already have a master. You should know, that's what we said last week, that Jesus is Lord. And I place myself up underneath his lordship and then I live in his freedom. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, this is a hard thing to hear. For some of us, it's a convicting thing to hear. For some of us, we are thinking, who emailed Kyle or who texted him? Thank you for your spirit speaking to us. Thank you for your spirit leading and guiding and even convicting. And so, Lord, I'm praying for all of us this morning that we would take a deep dive into ourselves and we would take an honest assessment and say, Am I holding on to anything that's holding me back? Have I grabbed onto something that is killing me and killing the people around me? Have I been blaming the devil for the me not letting go? Lord, would you lead us as we dig into that? Would your Holy Spirit speak to us and illuminate things in our life that maybe at one time just seemed fun and just seemed easy and seemed to lighten our load, but now it's it's kind of become a habit. It's kind of become an addiction. Lord, I'm praying that people would be courageous enough that if they need to get some professional help, if they need to talk to somebody, if they need to get in front of a counselor, that they would have the courage to do it, that you would lead them to exactly what step you would have them to take. Thank you that we have a master in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, help us to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive in Christ Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.